Welcome back to the Pastor and the Witch podcast, recorded in Muncie, Indiana. This is actually our 10th episode, and I am joined by my sexy, sassy, very intelligent, smoking hot wife, Jordan Butler, and I am here with my amazing, gorgeous, wise, intelligent husband, <laughs> Chris. Whatever. No, my name's not Chris. It's Grant. <laughs> I used to, when we tour, I'd pick a fake name every tour, and I would, Chris was one that I always kind of said just because it was like such a, like, first name that could pop on your head, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, people would come up and say, hey, Chris. And, like, I wouldn't, I, like, wouldn't totally, like, acknowledge him at all because that's not my name. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, I forgot I told him my name was Chris. And then, uh, a dude named Chris joined the band at one point, and he was, uh, let's just say he was touched. <laughs> you know, he was special. And uh, they'd be like, yeah, Chris is so cool. And then they'd go up, and we would talk, and like, that's not Chris. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, babe, so what's going on? Well, we had an awesome weekend. Yeah. Good weekend. We uh, had some friends coming. Well, we didn't get to hang out with them as much as we wanted, but on Saturday we went to Salimony Lake. Yeah, Salimony. Yeah, and we took the kids, and they had their kids, and we rented this pontoon deck slash boat, and it had like (laughs) a slide on it, and it was a lot of fun, and we spent the day out on the lake, and the kids swam, and... And then we woke up sore as hell the next morning, <laughs> but it was fun. Yeah. It's funny how, uh, as you get older, like you don't get a complexion like you did kid. Yeah. Burn. I like woke up with a super sore knee. Really? It's feeling better, a little better now, but yeah, I don't know what I did. <laughs> like I, I don't know. It was, and it was in that really painful spot, like right behind your kneecap. Yeah. And it was wrapped around my knee a little bit into my calf, like well, higher calf. I, I just woke up like my forehead was sore, <laughs> like sunburned. Yeah. But it was good, though. My best friend, Kent Waters, and his wife and their two boys, Christine and Rain and Nolan, they were in town. And yeah, we didn't get to hang out as much as we could, but it's like that same story, you know, when you don't live here and you come into town, like, and you got family and stuff that you need to see. It's hard, and we understood that, but, you know, it's always, like, rough seeing them go when they come back, because it had been, what, like a... It's been... We were in Portland in October of 2018, right? Mm-hmm. It's just and under two years. It's been almost two years. Yeah, and, you know, like, Kent is really the only, like, friend from school that I talk to on a regular basis, and he lives, like, you know... 3,000 miles away or some shit, like, we still talk on the phone and, and text a lot, but it's weird how, I always think of, uh, 
you ever seen the the movie I Love You Dude or I Love You Man? Has I, Paul Rudd in it and like I'm sh- I think I have. I Jason don't really. Siegel. I know what movie you're talking about, but and he like Andy Samberg is like Paul Rudd's gay brother, and the dad's like, yeah, he Andy's my best friend next to a guy named Hank Mardukes. He's like, I talked to him on the phone twice a week uh, for the last thirty years, and I always think like that's me and Kent because we always talk on the phone and you know still be dumb. Yeah, um, me and Christy are like that. Christy Smith. She's, you know, I consider her my best friend, and then I have another close friend, Miranda. I consider her another best friend. But I don't see them often at all. But when we do talk, we have conversation like we talk every day. Yeah, that's like a mark of a true friend, I think, that you might not talk for a little while, but when you do, it's like you pick up like you had talked the day before. There's no, like, awkwardness to it or even, like, guilt when, like, things get busy, you know, and you can't, you might not be able to talk one week or you might not be able to talk very long. But it's interesting though, because we wanted to get them on the podcast because we were going to talk about just some like eerie type situations that we've experienced and and Kent had a a few encounters slash experiences in his life. Just like some supernatural stuff, not crazy stuff, but Definitely weird. I mean, oh, that's right. We were talking about that. Yeah, like some shadow people and some shit in Muncie. Yeah, I think we talked about that was a couple episodes ago. Yeah, it would be three episodes, I think. Yeah, yeah I talked about that. My aunt Cecilia passing away, and then that thing that printed out. <laughs> yeah, so you know, we'll eventually get to that, and I would like to have can't do it. Um, we'll have to figure that one out though, like how we would do that. But we might do an episode where you and I do that and then do an episode with Kent. Yeah. And kind of elaborate more. Hopefully we'll get some listener feedback on some stories and we'll read some stories on the podcast. But, you know, it's kind of funny, though, because Kent and I have extremely different views on a lot of things. I mean, we're not political, but we do have our political leanings that we don't have to really discuss because I know. I'm not like really into politics, um, but just in the sense of beliefs and thoughts of afterlife and things like that. And, uh, you know, I feel comfortable kind of talking for Kent in this sense. But, you know, when we were younger, we, we had very similar beliefs. Um, and we, you know, even as we grew up, I kind of had that. I had like a weird I remember being a kid, and I bought, when I was in, see, Nirvana came out with Nevermind. I was in fifth grade, and, fifth grade, fifth grade or sixth grade, I I was in fifth grade, and I went to go buy it, the tape, and when I went to, there was a place called Stonehenge here in town, and I went there, and they didn't have Nevermind, but they had an album that they released after that, but it was all stuff before called Incesticide. And when you read the liner notes of Incesticide, there's a there's a story that happened to a woman and she was raped. And three like dudes raped this woman and when they were raping her, they sang the lyrics to Polly, which is a Nirvana song. And they do a it's called New Wave Polly on Incesticide. It's like a punk rock version. But on Nevermind, it's just an acoustic version. It's real 
real kind of mournful, like amazing song, but it was a true story of a girl coming out of a punk rock show in Tacoma, Washington. And she was kidnapped by this guy. He held her hostage, not hostage, like held her captive, I think for three or four days. And he tortured her with a blowtorch. He repeatedly raped her. And she uh, started realizing, like, this guy was going to kill her. So she kind of had to start playing like she liked him. Mm-hmm. And he put his guard down and she got away. And there was a newspaper, newspaper article about it. And that's why Kurt wrote that song. Um, but in the liner notes of Incesticide, he said something like, you know, we, it's, it came to our attention that three people raped a woman while singing the lyrics to her song, to Polly. And then obviously it goes on to like explain their disgust and their distaste for that. But then it said something, um, if you don't like women, if you don't like people of color, or you have uh, basically, I don't think they use the word homophobia, I think they use the word gay gay people if you don't like gay people like fuck off don't buy our albums don't come to our fucking shows like you're not fans like we don't want you. and i remember reading that and being like how how can you hate women though like i didn't understand you know i didn't understand what sexism was mm-hmm. you know or even at that time i don't know how old i was when i first like realized what homosexuality was i fuck i mean like when you're that age you, nobody i never looked at myself and like oh i'm heterosexual it's just like you're attracted to the opposite sex, but you didn't view it like that. It was just something that was part of you. So, like, the same could be said about, like, homosexuality, though, where you have, like, you know, you just don't think about it, mm-hmm. you know, especially at that time. It was much more, I don't know the word. It was, I, I imagine it was much harder to come out and to experience things where, I know it's, I don't know, but I imagine it's still very hard, but just the culture was a lot different. So, like, reading those liner notes, it was, like, really weird, because I remember Kent and I talking about it one time in high school. And, you know, there were gay kids in high school. Um, most of them didn't come out openly, but, like, in the their inner circle of friends, they knew they would share that they were gay. But, you know, Kent and I always had that, like, weren't racist, you know? weren't you never used the term homophobic back then but like didn't have an issue with gay people didn't know a lot of gay people knew a few um but kent and i always had some very similar like leanings when it came to like that and at the time i would say i was an atheist and i know kent would say that too and i don't know if kent would say that today maybe he would lean more towards being an agnostic Mm -hmm. um but we do, it's weird, though, because it's a lot like, you know, with a lot of people in my life that our views are drastically different. But for some reason, those views have never caused, like, static or disruption. You know what I mean? Yeah. You guys have always been able to look past your differences, basically. Yeah, yeah. But it's weird to me that, like, that us and them mentality. You remember last night? So last night, Jordan and I were, like, out on a date night, and we went to a few places. We went to Tuppy Tongs and Ate Thai, 
And then we went to Valhalla and we went to Savages. Yeah. And we're sitting outside of Valhalla. Run into a person that like kind of knew briefly years ago. Very different person to say respectfully, but also very, I would say very uh, Christian right, Christian evangelical, um, which is a very, uh, it's hard for me to grasp that. You know, I just don't understand the evangelical right. Um, I think like some people are just naturally conservative, mm-hmm. you know, and that's okay. But the evangelical right or the Christian right to me is just a, it's just a hard thing to, to be around. And I think if I was like that, you and I, me and Kent, I don't know how many people that I know, we couldn't be friends because I'd be an asshole. You know what I mean? I'd be like, you're going to hell or. Well, that surprises me about that person. Oh. If, <laughs> if we're thinking of who. Well, yeah, the, the guy smoking the cigar. Oh, that's who you're talking about? That's who I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Oh, no, no, no. I thought you were talking about the first Jay? person. Yeah. No, <laughs> I was no, like, what? No. no. I, are you really? No. Oh, my gosh. No, Jay's like. <laughs> I was no, really surprised about that. Not at all. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I'm looking at no, you this Jay's whole time like, dude. really, Jay? <laughs> are you talking about Jay? No, yeah. I was talking about that guy where I was like, we okay. got to go. I know you're talking about. This guy will never stop I know. I know. And I was like awkward. It's like, you know, that awkward <laughs> moment when you're hanging out at, you know, you're yeah. out at the bar and you're drinking a little bit and then you. Sometimes it's someone you know and sometimes you don't know or you've not seen in years and they are drunk and <laughs> are talking and won't stop and it's that yeah. awkward like trying to leave but don't want to be rude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And sometimes like I hate like feeling like you're being rude but I, sometimes like especially with like that individual where it's like I know where this is going and it's not going anywhere fun. So like let's make our exit and even if it's abrupt I'm okay with that. Because this is going to get weird here in a second. But that, so what I wanted to ask you though, babe, was like putting all that in context and thinking about that, like this difference, like what is your experience? Like, what do you think though, when you have like an encounter with somebody that is like that evangelical? From the perspective of who you are and what you believe. Like, what is that like? Yeah, like, so say if somebody is, like, very hard-nosed and black-and-white tunnel-visioned mm-hmm. on their beliefs, and they, but, but Christian right. Right. Um, I'm trying to think if I've really, I mean, I know that I've, you know, I cut hair for 12 years, so I encountered a lot of these people um but because i remember okay i remember this was when i worked in shelbyville and i don't remember his name and he was a regular and and i don't remember what we were talking about and i mean he wasn't like being a dick or anything but he was we were just having conversation and i don't know if we were talking about church or what but somehow i um brought up that I was a pagan because I think he was talking about him being a Christian and he was real Mm -hmm. like, you know, and I think he asked if I was a believer or if I was a Christian. I don't remember, but I told him, no, I'm actually a pagan. And the first thing he said to me was, 
what is that like Satan worship? <laughs> and I was like, well, have you ever actually looked up what paganism is? And he's actually, oh no, I mean, I just go, that's just what I hear. And I was like, okay, well, it's actually has nothing to do with Satanism. You should look it up, you know, but I don't know. I'm, I guess there's been moments where if that does happen, I get uncomfortable a little bit. It depends on how aggressive they are. And then there's been, I don't know. I know this is kind of off topic, but there's been instances where, you know, like Michael, yeah. he's gay and there would be people and he's the manager and he's an amazing stylist and he's a good manager and he, there would be people that would make s slap comments about, really? yeah, wow. like, and like not to him, but they might be talking about it and how they disagree with it or whatever, knowing that he is gay or whatever. And you have to keep your mouth shut sometimes. Yeah. There's nothing you can really do. You can tell them to, I guess if it got bad enough to tell them to stop, but I don't think that's ever really happened. Just, ha it just, that's like know. the weird thing though, where I think members that would say members, people that lean towards that or are fully immersed into that mm -hmm. right wing Christian angelic, right? Religious, right? I, you know, I, I've always struggled with them, but also my biggest, like, the contention I had was that they showed up as their opinion was evangelism. So somebody to come in and say, because, like, for me, I would, like, say if I didn't know you and you are cutting my hair, mm -hmm. and some of my tattoos are, like, light, you know, you, they're pretty obvious what I believe. And they're on my neck and they're on my arms. So you, like, you can see those. But I would never ask somebody come out and just be like put them on like on a platform like you do this or do you believe you know what I mean I would never like put somebody on the spot with that. and the evangelical right in so many cases especially with politics it has that where our way is the only way and it's the right way and if you don't believe that it's because you're lost and it's our duty because you're lost to make things right and in my opinion I just don't ever see where religion has worked in government. Like, government's an empire, and the empire should be godless because historically, but also, in my opinion, theologically, the empire has to be godless because there's a military involved. Right. So you can't, there's no way you could read, like, the words of Jesus, whether you believe them or not. If you believe them, okay. And if you think it's just more of, like, fairy tale or just like literature or whatever okay but either way you look at jesus whether he existed or not you can't look at that and go oh yeah we should really beef up the defense <laughs> we should go into poor countries i mean like i you know i don't want to get political but i remember when pence was elected vice president beginning and there was some pushback and he said romans 12 like hey basically like pray for your leaders because they've been put in place by God, which I don't believe is taken the way that the evangelical right does. And basically he was saying, well, we're in position of power now, so you should just bow down to us because God says. And my position was, this fucking country was started off of those exact opposite principles. We left a country. 
Mm-hmm. You know, but then also how many countries do we go in and take out the leader and put in a leader of our choosing? I mean, you could go on and on, Noriega, you know, go on and on, Saddam Hussein. I mean, we're involved, you know, and it's, so it's like, to me, like, that's why I have a hard time. I don't necessarily have a hard time with being con- people being conservative. Because some people are just naturally conservative. Jesse Studebaker, I can say this. I'm friends with Jesse. <laughs> He's naturally more conservative in some of his views. And that's okay. Like, to you, that's fine. He's not a right, like, Christian right winger. But the Christian evangelicals are different than just being conservative. You know, I understand why some people are conservative naturally, as I understand some people are more liberal naturally. You know? Right. Well, I know um, now that I've had a little bit of time to think about it. Um, this was years ago. I was probably, man, 19, 20. Well, no, let's see. Yeah, maybe 21. But anyway, I just, I was working at Smart Style in Walmart. And I know, I may have talked about this in a previous episode, I feel like, but I had like two or three people in the three years that I worked there just walk up to me and hand me a little Bible, you know? Yeah. And most of them were old. And asked me, like, I don't even really remember, but something crazy, like, have I found Jesus or have I been baptized? You know, like, stupid questions that you just don't go up and ask somebody, you know? Have you ever met anybody that's happened to and they're like, oh, yes. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Well, I I would tell them. I'd be like, yes, I actually have been baptized. (laughs) And at this. No, but I mean, like, where they, like, totally are like, oh, I'll believe what you're saying. And then, like, they became Christians or whatever. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Probably n- not, never. Yeah. I don't know. But, uh, um, well, I do remember, and when I worked there, I had my cheeks pierced on my face, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, and I, I don't know. It was fun. But anyway, definitely had people. That no, that's a hard thing, though. Especially, like, I've had encounters with street preachers. You ever had that? that um, I mean, of course, you? I've seen them, but I've never actually like Ooh, been caught by one. And caught by a few. Portland, Oregon used to have like notorious and Pioneer Square. <laughs> one time, Kent was walking, and this dude was like, "Sinners, you're all going to hell." <laughs> and Kent was like, "Fuck." <laughs> <laughs> but like. I've been down there before, and, you know, I'm a very, I would, I think I am anyway. I think I'm a, like, a quiet, reserved person. I think, like, you probably can figure out what I lean towards and what I believe in, but I might not ever come out and tell you exactly, you know? Mm-hmm. And the street preacher came, and uh, me and a few people were sitting in Pioneer Square, and the street preacher came up, and there was all these fucking... Homeless kids strung out, dope sick, and he just starts just laying into him. He's got a Bible in his hand. He's got a, another guy with him that's filming all of it and just telling them how they need to change their ways and they need to, basically, they need to submit to the Lord and their lives are so fucked up because that they're just in rebellion. And it was interesting because there was this kid. His name was Alan. He was a street kid. He was a male prostitute. And he was a heroin addict. And I'd seen him over the course of a few days. And we talked briefly. Actually, the first time I met him, 
he was singing a choking victim song, like before Leftover Crack became Leftover Crack, they were choking victims. And he started singing this line to this cop, and it was like the lyrics, like "Dirty pigs, dirty pigs, stab him with some dirty rigs." And I was like, "Dude, you're gonna get arrested! Like, chill for a second. <laughs> and and it was like Portland cops, so they were just like walking by. They didn't do anything to him. And so we started talking. And over the course of a few days, like, um, I got to know like his story. And his story was he was um. He was from a town, I don't remember the town, but it was a couple hours away from Port. And his, I don't know what, biological dad wasn't in the picture. His mom married some asshole, and his stepdad was beating the shit out of him and his sister. And when he was like 14, he just ran away, started hopping trains. And when I met him, he was 17. And uh, somewhere along the line, he started using heroin. He was dope sick. This particular time, he was dope sick. The male prostitute, he's pretty open about it. And the street preacher is just, like, yelling. And, I, and, like, a street preacher is... What they want is for you to engage with them. So the worst thing you can do for a street preacher is to ignore them. Kind of like those Westboro Baptist people where they're like, you know, God hates fags and, you know, soldiers are in hell and, you know... Uh, just, like, bullshit like that. What they want is a reaction. Mm-hmm. They want you to hit them or spit them because they'll sue you. That's why the guy was filming. So they have proof? Yeah. So the worst thing that you can do to them is like a lot of the evangelical right is don't, don't engage. Don't talk with them. So if they're out there saying God hates fags, like in my mind, it, it's hurtful and it breaks my heart that people fucking do that. Or they go to soldiers' funerals and just, this is bullshit. Yeah, and like... I don't know, kind of like what you were saying earlier. In my eyes of Jesus, that's not okay. And Never. Sh- you know? <laughs> well, the, and the street preacher was yelling at Alan. And he knew nothing about Alan. And here he, I mean, think about it. This, this dude's 17. I'm, I'm almost 40. I don't know shit, you know? I don't know anything. Still figuring it out. When I was 17, I absolutely did not know anything, let alone... If I was 17, a male prostitute, heroin addict, homeless, living on the streets and had been for three years, and you have somebody yelling at him in the name of God with a Bible in hand, and the whole time I'm like, like, let's just like get a little weird here for a second. Like, Say if Jesus was there, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus would not be yelling at people. I mean, there's accounts in the Bible. Jesus, you know, I always bring up the Samaritan woman, but... Jesus didn't tell her she was going to hell. Jesus didn't call her a whore. Jesus didn't make her feel bad about what she was doing. He just talked. He was just there. He just hung out. He gave her water. There was a well. And so it's like, to me, when you, when you have those encounters and it's these people where they think they're right, that street preacher, he ended up punching somebody and got arrested. Wow. Because those street kids don't fuck around. One. <laughs> But it was funny, though, because he started yelling at us, and I did get upset for a second, and one of the dudes I was with, his name was Tom, he was like, dude, just let this go, because this asshole is never going to stop, and uh, he asked me something like, do you know your Bible, young man? And it's like, whatever, dude, because like, 
you know, you could read the Bible, and I've said this before, but you could read the Bible and make it say whatever the hell you wanted to say. Yeah. I mean, the clan used the Bible. Mm-hmm. They use but it's just like, I don't know, just I can understand how hard that would be because if I were in your shoes and, you know, you're, you were a pastor and that guy had no idea just because he, he was judging you. Yeah. And, well, wait, or was that when you were young? That was when you were 17. No, no. So, I... Like with Alan, when I was with Alan, when I, I was like 20, I was probably 27. Okay. So you were a pastor then? Yeah, yeah, I was a pastor. Okay, I was just making sure it wasn't that story when you were 17 earlier. No. Okay. I have another story to <laughs> remind me though after. Okay. But um, I understand how hard that would be, but like if I were in your shoes and knowing like that I could like Bible verse battle <laughs> and like just, you know. But then it would just be draining, I guess. But I don't know. Just to prove people, like, no. fuck you. Yeah. And then, like, totally stun them. And they're like, oh, this guy knows what he's talking well, about. Even if it, you know, just at least yeah. knowing the your Bible verses and stuff. Well, and, you know, like, I think that I looked at that as from a perspective of, like, this is an individual who is out here hurting people, you know. And I don't know what Bible you're reading. I don't know how you're deciphering some of the stuff because there is a lot of stuff in there that it could be allegorical, it could be literal. A lot of it's not literal. Some of it is. But at the same time, like I don't know how you could use that to cause pain and suffering to people. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't get it. Like the whole immigration thing. I understand some of the issues with immigration, right? But when you mix Christianity in with that, I don't understand because it's not in there. I mean, even in the Pentateuch, even any of that, it's not in there. But you will come across things that say, like, this place isn't yours. Like, treat a foreigner in your land like they're your brother. Yeah. Right. No, but also, like, build up treasures in heaven. So what that is implying is saying, like, what you've been given isn't yours, you know? So you shouldn't hoard it like it's yours because it's nothing of your doing. And that's why I would look at it like, I don't have this, like, like this cryptic understanding of the Bible and I get it and other people don't. It's not that. I, I have a big, I don't know, about like a big question mark. Yeah. And a lot of this doesn't, I, I struggle with a lot of it, you know? I struggle with Paul. But one time I was at the mall. I was sitting in front of Books a Million, and Michaela was doing something. I don't know what she like in the mall somewhere. So I was just sitting on this bench, and I wanted this Bible at Books a Million. I've been looking at it for a long time, and it was on sale. Shit, I'm gonna buy this. So I bought it, and it was like it was expensive, like forty bucks. It was a really cool Bible, and. I go out and I'm just sitting on like the bench in front of it and I have the bag with me, but I don't have like the book out or I'm just sitting there and this older gentleman walks up to me and I forget what he says, but he hands me a track. You know, it's like if you were die if you were to die today, you know, where do you think you'd go? And I was and <laughs> it's like one thing I hate are tracks where like that's like people are like I I don't give a shit about you. Just take this and read it, you know? And um, 
So he hands it to me, and I was just like, dude, I'm cool. You can have that. This is a Saturday, because I had to preach the next day, right? And he's like, well, you don't believe in Jesus? And I was like, not that. And that's not why I'm giving this back. He was like, you do? And I was like, how about you ask me what my name is first, dude? (laughs) How about you ask, like, just be a fucking human being, you know? And and I was respectful to him. I didn't, like, cut but he sits down. He was a pat. He was like a Pentecostal pastor. Mm-hmm. Tired, but he still is really active in his church and all stuff. And I'm listening to, to him talk. To people. And I was like, "I'm a pastor." And he looked at me like, "You're lying. You're just trying to get me." So, okay. I don't. I don't need to prove to you I'm a pastor because, like, to me, being a pastor, there's no. Uh, I don't know. It's not like something where you could be like, I'm a brain surgeon. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're a brain surgeon? Like, that's you know, like a pastor? Like, I don't know. I, I, and I never liked when people threw that title around. Like, I'm a reverend. Like, okay, man, cool. Like, you're obviously not humble, you know? And I was like, I'm a pastor. And he was like, looking at my tattoos. And like, with those tattoos? And I was like, you serious, dude? You're going to quote a, you're gonna quote, quote a scripture out of Leviticus that was said to the Jews and is taken out of context. Hands down, every time. But you're going to skip past all the other things that you violate under Jewish law. But that's okay, because you're making it fit your agenda. So I pulled out the Bible. He didn't know what to say. It's like I told he he just like looked at me like, what? <laughs> like, And I, I don't remember what shirt I was wearing, but he referenced my shirt. And I, I think it was a Motorhead shirt, because I had the war paper in front. And it was like, how do you do that? Like, and... How do you have these tattoos? He gets up to leave and he goes, You got to preach tomorrow? I was like, Yeah. He's like, Where are you preaching at? Muncie Alliance Church. He's like, Well, load your gospel gun and shoot the congregation tomorrow. And he walked away. And I was like, What the fuck is that? Oh, wow. <laughs> load, load your gospel gun and shoot the congregation tomorrow. I was like, Ted Nugent. <laughs> Yeah. Huh. I bet you, I bet you that like moment kind of possibly could have changed his life and his, you know what I mean? Yeah. Possibly. I'm not saying it did. Yeah. But like that's like those types of moments in life, like when you think about it, like yeah. something you say or do or something that happens could totally change your life and belief. And that's something that like is. I just think that would have been super cool to. I think that's my issue though, like with a lot of that stuff where you don't take anything into consideration. It's all what you want. So you show up and you give your opinion, and your opinion is fact. And like that, that street kid, Alan, I don't, I still think about Alan to this day. Like, I, I wonder whatever happened to him. I was with him for like a week. We were sleeping on the streets that week, and I never saw him after that. But he grew up in a shit family. And it was like, of course, like, you can't blame him. And this is one of my issues that I had with that, like, hard note where it's like, I don't think we're all equal. And I'm not talking, like, in a systemic, like, way in America. But I mean in the sense of, can you blame a 14-year-old kid that runs away from home with his stepdad molesting him? beating the shit out of him, 
or a kid that just grew up and had no understanding of right and wrong and had no guidance and they start doing drugs or they start doing things that ultimately lead to death and the church would say is a sin and then they don't believe in God. Can you blame her for that? I don't think you can. No. You know? No, I agree. Um, and I struggle with that too. And And honestly, like, I don't know. I lost my train of thought. But... <laughs> When you see suffering like that or, or, and I think you've talked about this before, but how like one thing that I always questioned growing up with Christianity, because that was mostly how I was raised, is like, what about children who don't know who God is or who aren't? And I had that like understanding that there were other types of beliefs and who people who were different. And maybe it was because in my eyes, I was just like, they don't fit into what I'm hearing or whatever. And what about those people? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, like, I don't think they can be held accountable. And it's just like, let's just get real dark here for a second. Let's talk about aborted children. All right. So if you'll talk to somebody, most people in the church, and I do believe that Jesus is the only way, right? Mm -hmm. And it looks different, though, like mm -hmm. than the right would say. But um, most people in the church would say, like, you have to choose. You know, it comes out of Romans 10 and Romans 8. But it's if you confess with your mouth, believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord, there's everlasting life. And, and I do believe that. Um, but, like, with the lips and the heart, that's a little bit different of, of a thing for me. But say, like, I'm bored a child. So if you would ask them, was well, that aborted child go to heaven or hell? Mm -hmm. They say, well, they go to heaven. And, and of course, I would agree. Right? Mm -hmm. But I would agree with that because of what Jesus did. So obviously they can't choose. Or, and I know we talked about the Native Americans, right? I believe they're with God. I don't believe they're in hell. Mm -hmm. Because I don't believe God makes people solely for damnation and if people believe that aborted babies go to heaven i don't see the difference of somebody growing up or even having a hard time in in their adult life to where they just give up right you know and then they're like they say things like fuck god or they just say fuck everything and they just break down inside you know i i, I don't see the difference and that's where I kind of come from. And Casey were like, you know, I'm not a universalist Christian because I'm not a Christian, but that the idea that God is much less merciful, like to extend, especially mm -hmm. in the Christian right, don't see that, you know. Yeah. Um. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm trying to think. I don't know. Take over for a second while I think. Well, I think that, you know, when, when you look at people and you look at people like that and not just like, are they a believer or are they not a believer? Mm -hmm. In a Christian context, believer meaning Christian, which is a widely used Christian, con Christian context, contextual word. 
but when you look at it like that, you don't look at them for you look at them as a somebody in front of you, but you don't look at them as a human being that has had experiences. And that's why I don't think we're all equal. Because you can't tell me that I'm not where I'm at in a more grounded way because I had things that was at my beat to my benefit, like my mom and dad. I had that structure. I had safety at home, you know, compared to the boy that didn't. Right. Well, and this is, I don't know, like, and also like with pastors or, you know, especially um, big, like, churches and they judge all these people for different things, but yet they have a lot of... (laughs) bad shit going on behind closed doors. They're probably cheating yeah. on their wife. No, and I'm not saying that happens. Yeah. I'm just saying, but you hear that. It like, does, yeah. And you see it happen, and they're, like, taking people's money, and and the yeah. church grows, but the people that are paying, they're, what do they call it, tithe or whatever? Tithe. Tithe, and they're still poor and, and the same. But, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... Yeah. You know where tithe came from? Um, it was a Jewish practice called alms, giving alms. There was three different alms giving, basically, and it was it was almost like a welfare system in a very primitive way. So orphans and widows, one. Then you had people that were injured, but like they were working, they broke like a leg, or they were sick. And in that community, they would go around and they take up alms. And the rabbi or somebody right under the rabbi would distribute that. And they did that. And tithe means 10%, essentially. Mm-hmm. Not like, I mean, it does. But so a lot of people would say give 10%, which is a weird thing to me, too. So, you know, I, I was never at a church where they passed around stuff. There was a, a box in the back. And there was never. Like when Guy was there. I went to several churches that did that, where you passed around and put in money. Oh, yeah. It's like pass the play. It's weird. Mm-hmm. You know, it's weird. And and a lot of that goes for good things, if things are right, you know. Mm-hmm. But also, though, it's just like one of those things where humans are involved, so it can get sideways really quick. Yeah. But no, I know that when people had wrote in about some of the Portland street kids and uh you know I don't think that that city's been so gentrified and like the last time we were there I didn't recognize it well all the time. sorry this made me think of a story um that you told me and I don't think you've talked about it but were you in I don't remember where you were if it was California or I don't remember but you actually we're with some friends, and you actually slept on the streets. That was in Portland. Portland, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like you. Talent was there. Yeah. There was a few other people. Um, yeah, that was that was fun. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was, uh, you know, it was, maybe I shouldn't use the word fun, because I knew I was going home, you know. Mm-hmm. But it was eye-opening. Uh, I wish I could still do it now. I was out there a lot, and. You know, it was one of those things where you really got to see, I met this girl one time. So in downtown Portland, they had this thing called the Fairless Square. 
so you can ride TriMet, which is like their trolley system, free. It's barely. And Pioneer Square, for whatever reason, I the reason why it attracted so many um, transient and 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 a, for many years Portland had the number one uh, youth homeless population. Country. There's a few reasons why for that. It's a lot of drugs easily available, but there's a lot of easy like places to get food and stuff. And there's just a lot of kids there, so it would attract more. Um, but there was also a really big uh, population of older men going downtown and picking up young male prostitutes. And uh, but I, I had read a, an article when I was living in South Florida when I was like eighteen, and that's really what turned me on to Portland. And it was about this. She was a. Her nickname was Tomorrow. If I remember correctly, her name was Alexandria Ison. She was from Gresh. Gresham, which is outside of Portland, and it's more of like the blue-collar kind of working-class area. And she was murdered by a uh, serial killer. And she was a really good street artist, but they, they wrote an article about it. And that turned me on to, like, Portland. And she was, she was working on the northeast side of Portland because it was a safer side at the time. And they would go up there, and Johns would pick them up. This dude, I forget his name, the murderer. I think it was... I don't want to say a name and be wrong, but he, he got arrested, and, and she was his last victim. And I met a woman that works with the, the homeless youth there that knew her, but I, uh, like, seeing those people and what they go through and how they live and what they've been through, I think everybody should do that because it makes you look at things differently. So like the story I was going to say was we were down around Pioneer Square and Pioneer Square attracted all those different kinds of people because in Pioneer Square there was a tourist visitor center and under Oregon state law every visitor center had to offer public restrooms so the homeless people so that's why they were there but you couldn't smoke in Pioneer Square. It was actually a private property. So you had to go on the out. The actual block. And you would go down there and there'd be, no joke, 70, 80, 100, like, homeless kids. And it'd be like a fucking Tuesday morning at, like, 10.30 in, you know, Did we, November. we were there, right? Yeah. yeah that's okay. We that's and there's, like, that, a bunch like, of trees and, yeah, and stuff. that's where that amphitheater was. Remember, like, hey, yeah. you were standing there and you could, Okay, yeah. Day. And there's yeah. all those bricks, and there's, like, yeah. waterfall and stuff. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, there's a Pioneer Square in Seattle, too. But, like, right there is, like, where the old, um, the original courthouse was. And, um, but we were down there, and we were on the other side of the, the square. And the TriMet was coming up. And I had walked in. This kid came up to me and asked me to buy him a space bag. He's like, you buy me a space bag? And he was like fucking 12. I'm like, why do you want a space bag? You know, space bag is the box line. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I, you know, I was like, dude, you, I, I can't buy you a space bag, man. Like, I'll get in trouble. I'm not buying a 12-year-old alcohol, <laughs> you know. And he was like laughing. He was kind of joking with me about it. And, um, but we're standing there talking. And this kid was like another story. I mean, he was fucking 
12 or 13. I think he was 12, though. I don't remember his name. Same story, though. Asshole stepdad beating the shit out of his mom. He had broke his mom's fingers in front of him. <gasps> like, he witnessed it. Mob would never do anything, like, in the sense of when he would be, when he would turn to the kids, the mom just, just too, you know, encompassed in fear and, and all yeah. that stuff, you know. And um, so he left. And, and it, he'd only been on the streets for, like, he looked pretty clean cut. And I, I think he had been on the streets for, like, three or four months. But he was selling his body. You know, he was a male prostitute. He was a kid. Damn. And, um, but I'm sitting there talking to him, and I see this girl. And she was young, too. But she was probably, like, 16 or 17. And her eyes were rolling in the back of her head. She's like, she's like, it's like, you ever been around somebody that, like, eats, like, Xanax bars? Mm-hmm. And how they just, like, just like start drooling and yeah. or they do benzos and, like, suboxone or something. It's like that. And, um, but she's, like, sitting on the ground. And so when the TriMet comes up, that track is, like, in the road so it's just like a car mm-hmm. and you know it'll have like two or three like cars with it get on like a trolley and we're talking and this trimet's coming up and it's all like automatic you know what i mean like and she's just like drooling and her eyes are on the back of her head she's just like out of it and she starts falling to the side so i run up and i grab her because, like, she would have... I'm not going to say I saved her life, okay? She like, would have gotten killed. Well, yeah. She, no doubt about it. Like, it would have crushed her. Yeah. So, but I, I grabbed her, and it wasn't, like, at the last second. Like, she probably had another five seconds before it got there. But I went up and grabbed her. And when I grabbed her, she kind of, like, came to, right? And this other dude was with me, and then Alan was walking up. Alan was, like, hanging with this girl. Because a lot of the street kids will hang and, like groups and they'll sleep together because you know safety and numbers and mm-hmm. they all kind of look out for it's a it's an interesting hierarchy and I, i've read some books on that very very interesting how that happens but start talking to her she was from san francisco and she had another similar story that dad's molesting her raping her young age her and her boyfriend in San Francisco came up to uh, Portland, start living on the streets, and he ends up bailing. She's by herself. She becomes a prostitute, super into benzos, mm-hmm. and just, you know, full-blown addict and full-blown addiction, and uh, just fucking living on the street. And, uh, and she still had that, like, youthfulness kind of to her, you know, like, because that goes away quickly. She wasn't there very long yeah or been living that life for very long but you know again it's like that the idea that not all equal like her and i weren't equal i was given much more opportunity you know i had safety you know dad or mom wasn't beating the shit out of me or my dad wasn't breaking my mom's fingers yeah in front of me you know yeah, and I mean, you have so you have so much more experience in life and with like meeting people like that, but I mean, I never at least that I knew of anyway. I mean, I never had a friend that was like lived like that or something, you know, but and really never talked to anyone that was I mean, I have a couple of friends that their parents like use drugs and 
had shitty their moms had shitty ass boyfriends yeah. you know and they fought and argued but that's kind of what i was experiencing in a way not drugs but just the my mom having that boyfriend that i've talked about but anyway yeah like um anyway yeah you've had a lot well, more experience and i don't have <laughs> a lot of stories uh, it, uh, yeah and there's like there's a lot of stories i don't remember and then something will happen or i'll see something and it will remind me of it or like when we're in portland like i'll i'll be at places and i'll remember stuff Mm-hmm. And um, like that, that girl that was killed, or her street name was Tomorrow. And uh, I was living in Florida, and I didn't have any money. And there was a Borders bookstore. All these like South Florida, believe it or not, as like hot and sunny as that place is, it had a huge goth scene. Really different, but all these like goth kids and like punk kids would hang outside of this Borders, and it was like in this plaza in Boca where there was like movie theater and there was borders and there was like some restaurants and stuff but it was like nice like outside temperature wise so all these kids would hang out and smoke and just be dumb you know not doing anything bad well i'd go in the borders and just read books not buy them because i was broke you know <laughs> and uh i read like there like out throughout the course of like a couple months but I was in there, and there was a Rolling Stone magazine back when, like, Rolling Stone actually meant something. Mm-hmm. And um, there was an article, and it said something on the cover. It wasn't the cover, like, story, but there was a, a side blip to it where it's like, Portland Street Youth or something. And I was like, huh, like, Portland Street. So I read it. I bought it. And um, it had this uh, article about this girl. and. We met a woman in Portland. Her nickname was the Cookie Lady. I remember you telling me the story. The Cookie Lady was a woman. She wasn't from Portland, but she went to Portland to go to, I think she went to Multnomah Bible College. Multnomah is the county that Portland is in. And she went there in like the 80s or something, or 70s. I think it was the 80s. And, uh, she, uh, when you go down there, there used to be like, I mean, there's so many stories like people doing things for the homeless and, and not doing things for them, doing things with them. But there used to be this dude named Punk Rock Bob. He had a big fucking toehead blonde mohawk. And he was older. He played in a bunch of punk bands and, uh, he was a pastor, but he was like, he was real too. And he'd go down under the, uh, Um, under the uh, Burnside Bridge, mm-hmm. and and get hand out burritos. Well, and and I and like I met so many like gutter punks down there that they looked at Punk Rock Bob as like they he was he was one of them. There wasn't this. Oh, he's a pastor. And and I remember like one of them. I asked him. I was like, they had recently had a friend overdose and die in uh. That, whatever that park's called, Forest Park. And uh, it's where I, tomorrow they, that serial killer dumped their body. Serial killers dump bodies in that park a lot. It's a really big park. We slept in it for like three or four nights. And, um, but he would just go down there and he would just show up. That's all you have to do. He would give him socks, he'd give him burritos, but he wouldn't talk down to him. 
And I remember being like, I asked this one dude, I was like, so do you go to like Punk Rock Bob's church? And he didn't have a church. His church was like under the bridge. Mm-hmm. And he's like, nah, man, I don't believe in that shit, but I believe in Punk Rock Bob. He's a good dude. And it was like one of those things where it's like, he just fucking showed up and acted like he was just a human being as well. Right. And, you know? So, but the cookie lady was the same way, where she moved to Portland, was going to college, got out, and she realized, like, if you hung out with a cookie lady and you were in public with her, and, and I was in public with her a few times, you couldn't talk to her without a homeless person come up and be like, what's up, cookie lady? And then, like, keep on walking. Aww. Or, like, people coming up. So she noticed, like, what was one thing that, like, the homeless weren't getting? And there's a ton of homeless kids, so she took that into consideration. So, yeah, they were getting, like, socks, food, and, like, toilet paper, brushes, clean needles, things like that. But she's like, every kid wants chocolate chip cookies, like homemade ones, not right. like store-bought ones. So she started making them and going down there once a week. Well, long story short, she actually started taking in prostitutes and to her house. And she started out with uh, girls. Here I am thinking that she's like No, this. no, 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 no. Oh. She was good. So oh. she, yeah, she would take in prostitutes and she ended up buying another house that she lived in and had a house where these female prostitutes oh, lived. Okay. She would transit, like get them. And back into school and oh, things awesome. like that. And then she started doing that with male prostitutes at another house. Mm-hmm. She had like three houses. She okay. lived in one, but then the other two, you know, one was girls, boys. And again, it was like just showing up, you know, doing things. And, and she worked. I, and I was asking her, I was like, did you know tomorrow? She's like, she started crying. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, I was. And we were, when I asked her that, we were in... Uh, Pioneer Square sit step. She was like, I was in I was with her the night she left. She's she pointed where they were sitting at. She goes, She walked that way. She pointed the way she walked. And she like telling her friends goodbye and everything. She was gonna go work. She was a heroin addict and prostitute. And um she walked away and I think she was found three days later. They found her body three days later, I think. Um, but she talked about that, like how, you know, she remembers her walking away and basically walking to her murder, you know, she was killed later on that night. And so to me, like people showing up like a, like a street, it's, uh, it's just hurt and it's unnecessary, you know, because you look at like the cookie lady or somebody like Punk Rock Bob, they didn't do anything special. And that made it special. You know, they didn't go in there with this agenda. We're going to get these people saved. We're going to get them baptized. It was just being there and helping. Yep. They just met them where they were at. And if they were still one to be where they were at, okay, they'll be here. Yeah. And I know it doesn't happen very often, but if there are more people in the world that were kind like that, I'm just saying like when someone is kind to someone, you never know it could be strong enough to change their life. Yeah. And might not happen very often is what I was saying but if there were more people in this world like that that were just kind and help people to help them not to try and like you know change them or whatever just be there then then I think the world would start to be better yeah or become better than what it is yeah 
No, and, and you know, like, I don't know. Portland's changed so much. I don't know what's going on. They used to have a bunch of homeless youth shelters down there. Like, dinner and a movie was down there. And all those places are now, like, expensive, like, condos and mm-hmm. apartments and things like that. And uh, there used to be a church. There were several churches that came together under the Burnside Bridge on, I think it was Friday nights. And they would have people that were dentists down there, had people that, stylists, that would cut their hair, they would wash their feet, give them food, they'd do some dental work if they could, things like that, you know, and um, just show up. I mean, there's been documentaries on that, that you can see some of that, you know, and there'd be, I, I, I've been down there before, that was going on, and there'd be 250 people. Yeah. And they were just showing up, and, and I don't know all those churches, I was only in contact with a few churches out there. So, but I, you know, it, it's just one of those things where it was just showing up and it wasn't about getting your opinion, you know? Yeah. Well. Yeah, we're at the, the hour and one minute mark. Yep. I was just going to say, I don't know. It is depressing to see everything going on in the world right now, like with all the hate and racism that still exists and all this political bullshit and. Yeah. All these conspiracy theories going around, and it's just... What do you mean? Lizard people aren't real? <laughs> the lizard man doesn't run the show underneath the White House? The lizard people? Have you ever heard that conspiracy well, theory? Well, you told me about it, and I had not heard of it, and I think that is... I think Matt Pike believes in lizard people. Really? Yeah, lizard men. Uh, lizard people, I think they're lizard Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know, Matt, so I, I think I, I read that, or I saw that in an interview on YouTube. Huh. I don't know. Or maybe he just says that just to fuck with people. No, I think he, <laughs> I think he, uh, I think he, uh. Like actual just, lizard people? Like they, well, like, no, so like they, see, in my mind, when you say lizard people, I'm thinking that they actually look like lizards. Yeah, no, I know. Or is this just a group? Kind of like anonymous. <laughs> yeah, no, it's they're supposed to be like these extraterrestrial people, and they're like they're they're above humans, and they're mm-hmm. like all the CEOs and powerful people and the politicians. Like some of them are lizard. I I don't know. I'm I'm probably talking out of my ass, but yeah, I don't think they look like, like the Illuminati, people. basically. Yeah, it's something like that, except they come from like an extraterrestrial place, mm. and mm. I don't know if they can take off their heads and they have a lizard head. <laughs> I don't know, but I, and I've heard. I mean, people. I can see like okay, but okay, we're gonna start talking and get way too long, so we should share this for another episode. But I'm just saying, like, I believe in conspiracy theories, and like, I, I don't know, like the Illuminati and stuff. I used to be like super into the Illuminati, and it wouldn't like surprise me if there are some super duper mighty powerful people that we have no clue exist. But anyway, but yeah, calling them lizard people. Yeah, you know, I don't. <laughs> Yeah, the lizard people. <laughs> I think that's what I don't know. Pig man lives. Well, and tell them where they can reach out to us. You can like our Facebook page, The Pastor and the Witch Podcast. Um, you can reach us at our email, the Pastor and the Witch Podcast at gmail.com. And we also have a website, The Pastor and the Witch. Thank you for listening. <laughs>